Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the Putting the Gold in Golden State Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast. I love it. Valuations time. Kurt Bodenhausen joins us. And Kurt, this is like take three because of technical difficulties. So I've run up and down the steps a few times. So you're going to have to do a lot of talking because frankly, (laughs) I am totally out of breath right now. I'm glad we finally got it fixed. Uh, but uh, I'll start you off with how how do you think Eben did on that? You know, putting the gold in golden state. Like I've again, this is take three. I have criticized this thing <laughs> twice, and he's stuck with it. I mean, it says a lot about Eben. I, I don't think it's all that good. He could have been much better. Your thoughts on the opening? Uh, I think it's a natural. I, I think I I, I I was working through headings, uh, writing the story, and, and gold warriors. That was a natural tie-in. I mean, the war the warriors are minting money at the Chase Center. They're spending it about as fast as they can make it. Uh, but but they, uh, <laughs> revenues are up 7x since uh, Joe Lacobe and Peter Guber bought that team in 2010. So they, they, they are putting the gold in uh, Golden State. All right. I'm going to give you a little value add here, Kurt, a little Soshnik value add. You know, every now and then I like to do this. You know, at the end of the year, the NBA Players Association has the right contractually in the CBA, the Collective Bargaining Agreement, to audit, I believe it's five teams. Can you guess which team, after the Chase Center opened, can you guess which team was number one on their list to see what it did for revenue? I would guess Golden State. It is not the Minnesota Timberwolves. No. Correct. Yes, yes. So give, give me, I mean, I'm assuming you're saying 7X. What has been the difference of Chase Center? And what about winning and all, and all that? But where is this revenue coming yeah, from? Yeah, it, it, it all ties in together. Uh, perfect timing to be opening up this building. Uh, with premium seating, sponsorship, sponsor they do 150 million dollars in sponsorship revenue a year. Uh, that's that's more than twice as much as any other franchise. Uh, they, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. I don't want to just gloss over that. You're telling me the Golden State Warriors have two x the the sponsorship revenue, and I'll just pick one because this is the one that'll surprise me as the New York Knicks. Yes. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Wow. Um, Evan, does that surprise you? Uh, I I think we have. It does surprise me. Uh, I, I have known for a while, and Kurt's talked about this, that the, how strong the, the, the business is there. Um, and I do think, I mean, it goes back to a stadium, right? This is, the, the, the Knicks are not oh, in a new stadium. We're talking about Madison Square it's, Garden. It's, it's, You're talking a billion-dollar renovated Madison Square Garden in the number one media capital of the world. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, the economics right? work a, a little If the Knicks could build another stadium downtown, 
uh, I, I, be- I imagine they would close that gap quite quickly. Am I wrong about that, Kurt? Yeah. Where are the Wizards going to be when they build this new building? Speaking of sports business, where are they going to be? They open this new building in suburban Virginia. Where are the what's going to happen to the Wizards? And then tell me about the economics that you were just. No, the, the Wizards get a nice bump. The Capital Capital One. Uh, what, 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 what did we say it was originally? MCI Center, right? Was the original name? The MCI. I was there opening yeah, yeah. night. Yeah. Now we now we are Capital One Arena. A couple names in between, or Verizon name in between. Uh, building 1997. Uh, a lot has changed in terms of what you want out of your building uh, and, and namely in terms of what you can do on the premium side. And, and we talk about this and you hear owners all the time. We didn't we didn't account for enough premium spaces. All these uh, legacy buildings, they're trying to retrofit uh, to, to create more premium spaces because that's the clientele willing to spend money. And so and on the sponsorship side, uh, the new buildings with technology have so many more opportunities uh, to, to drive revenue uh, than all these buildings that were built in the 1990s. Give me an example of what they can do in sort of a brand new tech savvy state of the art arena that something from 1997 cannot do. Well, what you want, we talked to Utah Jazz about this. Uh, they were 29th in the league in sponsorship before Ryan Smith bought the team. They're now seventh. And so what they've done is just trying to, you know, they've taken advantage of, in terms of the presentation, and we've seen this when we've done events too, you know, they, they, no longer are they saying, oh, let's go in a boardroom, I'll do a PowerPoint, and I'll try to sell you a sponsorship. Their pitch now is, we're going on the arena floor, I'm going to show you LEDs, I'm going to show you all, all the different ways that I can wow you. And... Again, 29th to 7th in three years. Sponsorship revenue for the Utah Jazz up 300% during that time. Uh, partners are buying on. They're, they're, they're an unusual situation that they've signed a new uh, naming rights partner, jersey partner, pouring rights partner, and ticketing partner uh, over the last 12 months. So it's rare you have those four buckets, uh, those four assets come up all at the same time. We, we, what did Matt Ishbia's purchase of the Suns, at least at a valuation of $4 billion. Is that where you were going, Evan? It, it was one of the things on my list. Yeah, I was going to get to it later, but go ahead. Oh, I went too fast this time? <laughs> Normally, you and I are right in sync. What happened yeah. there? All right, but what, what did that do to reset the market? Because everybody was surprised at that $4 billion. Yeah. And we hear owners say all the time, oh, rising tides, yada, yada, yada. But, I mean, you really do have to recalibrate when somebody buys in at that valuation. I'll tell you the bigger purchase that recalibrated thing what Please was, do. was the Charlotte Hornets. For the Charlotte Hornets to sell for $3 billion, raise the floor uh, tremendously because, because the two teams that are sitting in the bottom quartile, uh, Utah Jazz, Minnesota Timberwolves, both sold, again, three years ago, those, those deals were done. And, and obviously the Timberwolves sale hasn't been completed yet. Um, it was a multi-year process. And, and for those two deals to happen around 1-6, Utah was 1-6-6, I think, for a bottom quartile team to sell for $3 billion really opened up uh, people's eyes. And, and to the point where, you know what, the NBA is, is morphing closer and closer into the NFL where I don't really care what market I get. You know, I care a little bit what market I'm going to get. But if any of these come up to trade, I'm interested. And so to that, 
to that point, Kurt, the thing that one of the things that jumped out to me about your list, the, the top three teams, this is the year over year increase for the Golden State Warriors, 10 percent increase for the Knicks, 13 percent for the Lakers, 14 percent. The bottom three teams. Yeah, go uh, to the bottom. The exactly. New Orleans Pelicans, 67 percent increase. Memphis Grizzlies, 69 percent increase. Minnesota Timberwolves, 73 percent increase in one year, year over year. So 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 that to me highlights exactly what you're saying. That, that well, Evan, the you, you and I have heard that A-Rod and. And Mark Laurie are trying to raise it some, you know, some crazy valuations. Maybe, maybe they're not so crazy. I mean, they, from what we understand, they haven't gotten anybody to bite at, at their asking price yet. But, may, you know, maybe Kurt will help them get the, get the number they're looking for. I, I, listen, if, if Glenn Taylor was to, able to take this team back to market uh, and sell control, I, 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 he, he'd be probably looking at 2728. I think we value him at $2.9 billion. <laughs> Um, because again, the NBA, uh, and once this new TV deal is done, you are going to have a check. Uh, it's not as big as the NFL check, but local, your local TV component is going to be much smaller down to probably single digits on average per team. Um, so, so they're not insulated completely from the issues going on with Bally's and on the local level, uh, but much, much more so than say major league baseball. Uh, so you're gonna have the big national check, huge international opportunity, and scarcity. Uh, we 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 talk about scarcity drives value. You just had four teams set, or if the Mavericks sale goes through, you're gonna have four teams sold in the last 12 months, and it hasn't mm-hmm. dented valuations. The, the last time we saw more than two teams sold was back in 2012, and we're gonna have four sold. So those teams back in 2012, it ended a run were nine teams sold over the course of three years. Those nine teams, they were sold an average of three times revenue. The four that are gonna sell this year, 11 times revenue. So buyers are paying, it's, it's an incredible premium to what we were looking at back in the beginning of the decade when the 76 are sold for $287 million. And, and by contrast, there's been four NFL teams sold in the past eight years or something like that, right? Yeah. Just, just the, the, the pace of turnover um, I, it's a great point that it, that that it, it frames the valuation increases in a different way, also just just by simple supply and demand. Yeah, and again, I, I don't think this is necessarily people rushing for the exits. A lot's been made about why Mark Cuban's selling. You know, it's a concern about RSNs. He sold at the top of the internet bubble. Like you know, he he can read the tea leaves. Uh, I, I think from talking to a lot of people, most people see this as a way for Mark to partner up with. Uh, somebody with very, very, very deep pockets uh, and create a new arena casino situation. And again, the, the reality is the Mavericks are not a high revenue team right now. Uh, they didn't make the playoffs last year. Revenue is around $350 million. It's very, very middle of the road uh, revenue figure for a big market like Dallas. They need a new building uh, and they're sitting on a high payroll. They have one of the biggest uh, RSN deals uh, as far as uh, with in terms of Bally's teams. Uh, so, so they are potentially looking at losses and the Adelsons can come in and fund that as well as a new arena. And Cuban captures that upside in any sort of new development that hey, maybe includes a casino as well. Can, can we talk just a little bit more about about local revenue? Because the the teams I think of, as, as you said, the 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 collapse of a lot of the RSN businesses is going to, I think, further kind of separate the haves and the have-nots. You're talking about the biggest rights increases for a lot of the teams that I would expect to be the ones that are are are, are going to be the most hurt 
by the collapse of Bally's and 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 the decrease in their in their local TV money. I'm interested in 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 how how much that affects. Is there a a, a slight valuation decrease from that that's just getting papered over by all the other things that you're talking about? Um, how does the local the RSN collapse affect the, the way you think about particularly those lower teams? Yeah, talking to bankers. Um they are papering over it. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's uh, it, it's it's the teams similar to baseball. Uh, it's the teams at the bottom of the, the financial table that, that are affiliated with Bally's. So the, the Knicks TV deal is not going away. The Lakers TV deal isn't going away. Uh, the Warriors don't have a very big TV deal, but they, they, they are not also uh, affiliated. Um, Philadelphia 76ers have a very big local TV deal. Uh, their, their, their deal would seemingly be safe. Um, and, and so the, the Bally's teams, the rights fees are smaller. Uh, so, so, you know, you're talking about rights fees that might be $25 million. This isn't a, a baseball, you know, even some of those small market teams have gigantic rights field, uh, uh, right, yeah. rights deals because it's 81 games. Um, so, so it impacts them. And most, uh, most bankers, the way they look at it, this is going to get papered over with the new national TV deal. That, that number is going to be so much bigger uh, that it makes the loss of, you know, if I'm only able to capture, say, 50% of my local uh, rights, you know, that's, that's a hit. That's $10, $12 million hit maybe for some of these teams. Uh, but, but the increase in the national money is going to help uh, clean that up. But but the the national money being negotiated right now, we obviously don't know where the NBA is going to net and it's out. It's still like three the, years off, by the way. They wouldn't see the, this money for th- three. Yeah, years. there there was a there was a, a time where well, it's not, I think it's a not lot that of people far. Twenty five, twenty six. I mean, is, is is kicks in the New Deal, so um, we, we aren't but, but that on, far out. On, on, on that national deal, there, there was a time when a lot of people thought the NBA was going to 3x, maybe even more, its money. Mm-hmm. I think um, by market That's forces. That's when Amazon was going to buy everything and Google was going to buy everything. Yeah. I, I think the, the realistic number right now is probably between two and three and maybe even on the low end of, of between two and three. Who knows what we're going to see. But I would think that there for a lot of teams – Two years ago, if you had asked them before the RSN collapse and also expecting a larger increase in national TV money than they mm-hmm. are probably going to get, that, that, that revenue may even projections might be down for a lot of those teams moving forward than what they were expecting two or three years ago. And, and yet the valuations are soaring so much for a lot of those teams. I, I find that dynamic yeah. so interesting that, that the media is, is, is really fundamentally affecting revenue. And depending on what this national TV deal could even further decrease what the, what the projections were. And yet here we are talking about teams increasing 76% in valuation in, in a year-over-year standard. I, 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 yeah, I, you're absolutely right. Um, we, we didn't see the total collapse of, of the RSN model two years ago. And, and I think talking to most people, you know, we talked to a lot of teams uh, doing these valuations, uh, most of them are looking at anywhere between 100% and 150%. Won't, very, you know, almost none of them are expecting more than 150% bump uh, on an annualized basis to this next deal. Hmm. Um, and, and so that is below... And I, th- those that that three X number, I mean, that was floated out there. You know, you know, it's all posturing. Uh, I, I don't know, if, you know, maybe 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 the most optimistic thought they could see that. But I think there's a couple of things going on. One, the local business has been unbelievable. The arena business has been incredible. Bounce back from COVID. So two years ago, there were still 
a lot of wariness in terms of what the local arena business uh, might have been. And for those teams that control their buildings um, or operate them or own their buildings, uh, business has been great. Concert business has been unbelievable. Teams are carving out all sorts of you know, private event opportunities. I mean, you have teams generating $15 million a year uh, from private events that are outside of, of the concert business. And so... No truth that the Bodenhausen Bar Mitzvah was held at Barclays <laughs> no, no truth to the rumor, Evan. None. Didn't happen. Uh, so I think the local business coming back. And then, again, the, the, this opening up to private equity, sovereign wealth... Um, pension funds uh, creates much more liquidity into the system and scarcity. I, I mean, still, scarcity, scarcity is driving so much of this. Kurt, I love me a good segue. I mean, Eben knows this. I'm like when I'm proud and when you can tie multiple thought streams together in a segue, you, you know, you sort of you've hit it all. So I was at the announcement of the last TV deal for the NBA, and I will never forget it is where Ted Leonsis pronounced there's never been a better time to be an NBA owner. Well, I would argue that now is a better time to be an NBA owner than when that proclamation was made. And it should not be lost on anyone that we're doing this on the same day that Ted Leonsis announces that he's got a new building coming online, or at least the plan for a new building and development that'll have studios for, for the network. Uh, of course, he owns the Capitals and the Wizards, so multi-team real estate play. And I think it's important for folks who want to understand how you do what you do to read the methodology. You know, I know it's a long explainer, but you really need to understand that the teams are just the hub and the spokes are coming out as real estate. There's finance. There's, um, there's media. And you, you sort of see how the whole thing comes together. So it, it just seems like a perfect day with Ted announcing that he's leaving downtown D.C. to go to Northern Virginia and the why. And what do you see looking and reading tea leaves? Obviously, the commanders are looking at a new stadium. We've said forever, all these prospective buyers, when teams are on the market, we used to say they hoped there was a media opportunity, whether it was an RSN deal like the Dodgers back in the day. But uh, now we think that prospective buyers like what I, they don't want to finish product. They want to come and say, what can I do? Is there a stadium opportunity? Is there a real estate play? Look at Steve Cohen. He's talking about developing Willie, uh, Willits Point with a casino out there. It's all about the ancillary businesses that can orbit around the team as the centerpiece. Yep. Uh, and, and just a great point about Ted. I mean, he, he is building the, the modern day sports enterprise. And he says, we, basically, we've outgrown the capital uh, one arena yep. from when it was built in 1997 because again now now he has the multiple sports teams he has a WNBA team he's got an esports team he's now controls his uh, regional sports network completely he's got a digital network uh, he owns multiple venues uh, so so again by the way there may be a baseball team for well, sale in that area and Ted too. hasn't made maybe uh, multiple <laughs> maybe multiple, multiple. Yeah, multiple maybe multiple <laughs> baseball teams in the Ted yeah. made very clear at our invest in uh, our invest in sports event that he is looking at uh, adding to his portfolio, and baseball would uh, 100% be uh, right up his alley. So uh, he, he's looking for that blank slate that you're talking about to create all this, bring the build the retail development, 
um, and so and build a real entertainment complex. And, and so uh, I think that's why uh, they're interested in, again, not just putting a Band-Aid on the Capital One Center. D.C. is offering $500 million in public money to, to renovate it. Uh, and he's looking to just start over um, and, and build something fresh. Why uh, are the Nets the only team to have a, I mean, 3% year over year? Yeah. Everybody else is like bottom, like yeah. gangbusters, everybody at the top, double digits. The only single digit bump, uh, I guess Nets fans want to know why. Yeah, uh, yeah, the Nets stand out a little bit. Uh, the Nets, you know, valuation probably got a little bit ahead of itself. All, all the excitement around uh, the superstars coming to Brooklyn, tickets were going crazy, Sponsor, people are banging down the doors for sponsorships, uh, revenue uh, is going through the roof. And then uh, the bottom fell out, uh, the starting over, rebuilding. Uh, so, so tickets certainly not as robust. And, and while they do have some good sponsorship deals, uh, 100%, we, Webull is, is one of the biggest deals out there. Uh, you, you would you would think that uh, a team that's coming in to re-up now, based on how that franchise is uh, constructed, is not necessarily going to pay thirty million dollars a year to put their logo on the on the Brooklyn Nets. When that deal was done, the anticipation was this is a team that is going to be challenging for uh, the NBA Finals every year with the most one of the most high-profile teams in the league. Um, and and that's and and also the, with the Barclays Center. Listen, they're facing a lot of competition for events right now. Uh, the, the balance sheet you know, doesn't look great when you start looking at the event business uh, and how much money that building is generating. Uh, so, so that's certainly one of the challenges uh, that the Nets and, and Josai have right now. Scott, what Eben, are you... You, want, you and I are going to... Wait, hold on. Eben, I was going to ask Kurt this. You and I have some money put aside. We've decided that we want to buy an NBA team in the next couple of years. Some money, So, Yeah, uh, yeah we've got some put aside, so... Kurt, uh, give me your tea leaves. Look at this list and tell me we're going to buy it. Let's say we're going to buy the team in the next six months, right? We're, and Eben and I, we're, we're your typical private equity guys. We've got a five- to seven-year horizon where we'd like to double our money and, and, and get out and you know, then buy an NFL team. So which, which club should we be targeting? Which club should I – know, I know Eben wants to buy the Jaguars. I, I, I don't know if Shad is selling, but I know Eben's targeting, and he loves QB1. Um, so which, which club should we be targeting in the NBA for, the, for that, like, uh, that double-digit huge return uh, in the five- to seven-year time period? Well, if, you, if you're going to bet on a new facility, uh, a new venue, I think you've got to look at Philadelphia. You know, if, if they, if oh, they can okay. make that downtown building happen, uh, you, you could be looking at a team that, that moves up the ranks pretty quickly um, and, and generates more revenue uh, and, and creates – you know, really a, a foundational arena with a, with a downtown built, you know, the first downtown building in Philadelphia, uh, which, which could certainly move the needle for that franchise. That's a, that's a fun fight, by the way, for the listeners who aren't aware of what's going on. Like, you know, they, they play in the Wells Fargo Center, which, of course, is controlled by Comcast, right? Brian Roberts. And now you've got a, a core tenant in the building looking to leave and build a competing arena that would, of course, siphon off revenue for all sorts of events and concerts. And so you've got Brian Roberts against Josh Harris and David Blitzer trying to build this new build. This, this is a really fun one to watch in the sports. This is like a steel cage match in the sports business world, right? Oh, absolutely. This is like Hatfield and McCoy's. We were, we were just talking about some of the, the, the biggest standoffs in sports right now. Uh, and, and, and that one was right up there at the top of the list. 
what are, what are you guys hearing on on expansion? The the overwhelming conversation and everything I I hear seems like Vegas and and Seattle are the obvious two. There's been talk of some cities up in in Canada, Mexico. I know there have been a little bit of rumors of interest. Are, are we ninety five percent, ninety nine percent? How confident are we that it's two teams and that it's going to be those two cities? Uh, if, if I had my money to invest in something, that would be my bet if I could get any sort of odds. Two teams in Las Vegas and Seattle. Uh, the idea that the NBA is going to put a team instead in Montreal or Vancouver, Mexico City, <laughs> I, 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 this, is, this is just jockeying and maybe just uh, floated out there to potentially drive up the price. Uh, value add, I mean, Kurt. Soshnik, yeah. value add. You just mentioned <laughs> Vancouver. You mentioned Vancouver. Want to see how the world has changed since I started doing this? I, this is such a great story. Eben, I think you've heard it. You've heard like, all story. my stories. Yeah, of course. But you know where I'm going? <laughs> I do. Yeah. So I was, uh, I was, was going out to NBA. <laughs> yeah, when I was going out to league meetings, you know, and I was actually sitting between David Stern and Russ Granick years ago, and the league meetings were in Vancouver. So we get off the plane, and we're going to customs, and there's, all of a sudden there's a, there's a, a hullabaloo, if you will. Like there's a, there's, there's a commotion, something going on. It turns out the person at the checkpoint had informed David Stern that Michael Heisley had announced that he was moving the team from Vancouver to Memphis. So we're on the plane traveling cross-country. There, there was no computer. There was no Wi-Fi. There were no phone. Nobody knew. We were told David Stern was informed by the person at Customs that Michael Heisley had announced while we were in the air that the, uh, that the team was moving. And then there was the huddle, David, Russ, probably Joel Litvin, Brian McIntyre, and then the hastily called news conference in Vancouver to discuss what, I mean, wow, how, how much fun is it to have lived through that while we have like teams now, it's like these orchestrated, that would never happen. We know this is, you know, imagine, imagine Adam Silver being caught off guard that one of his owners was going to announce that he was relocating or that there's an expansion team going somewhere. I mean, just a really, really good glimpse into where the industry was and where it is. How, how angry was David? Very. <laughs> <laughs> if, you know, if you know David, remember when he said like, like, there's like a voter of one, right? Whatever he used to say. Yeah, no, David was, he was not happy that Michael Heisley made that announcement while he was incommunicado, if you would. So, so if, if expansion cities is an easy topic, let's talk price. What do we, the price seems like it's going up every day. Uh, how many billions of dollars do we think these two teams sell for? Yeah, I, I, I think I think we've blown past four at this point, and, and you are going to have people pushing five, um, because if you think about, you know, they're, they're, you're talking about a team that's probably going to start play in five years, so 2028, uh, when all these teams are worth five, uh, you're going to be like, oh, you know, we got in easy, uh, because there, and there are owners out there that are saying. Again, I, I don't think there's a lot left because as they recognize the check that's going to come in. But there's some that look at expansion as just a bad bet. I, I'm giving up uh, two thirtieths or two thirty seconds of my equity uh, in this thing that I think over the next 30 years is is uh, going to continue to grow um, with, with NBA Africa and NBA China and all the other equity uh, that the NBA is building up uh, and, and where potentially shared revenues could go. Um, but but I think the check size, they, once the TV deals are done, they run the numbers, 
and again, we, we, people have been circling this for a few years now. Uh, and so people recognize it's going to take a big number. Uh, I don't think it's going to surprise people if the NBA comes out and says it's got to be five. Uh, it, it, people are willing it to write Jeff that Bezos in. It's Jeff Bezos in Seattle. It's Fenway Sports Group. It's all in Las Vegas. These platform companies, these global platform companies that own multiple teams and broadcast networks, you, you can start to see how the fly the flywheel starts to spin. Yeah, they'll make it, the it, numbers it, work. It's also not lost on me that it, it seems like I know this is true in the NHL. I don't have your numbers in front of me, Kurt, but but the expansion recent expansion teams are not at the bottom of valuations. It's certainly also true in Major League Soccer that a lot of these teams come in there's a lot of there's a halo effect i think to a degree but you, you come in and you're a you're a top 15 valuated team in in the nba i think probably both these teams as opposed to coming in and suddenly being at the floor which is what i think a lot of people expect given that the teams are brand new yeah and and, and we've seen in the past where again the 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 expansion teams have been in markets that maybe aren't the most robust but you got to think Seattle and Las Vegas, they're going to they're going to hit the ground running, have gigantic support on, on the corporate side, on the fan base side. Um, and, and you can imagine the premium products that, that are going to be available in Las Vegas. I mean, particularly if, if we end up with this Oakview complex and arena, this 10 billion dollar complex. I mean, you can only imagine about what kind of things are going to be dreamed up uh, to to have with having this basketball team there. Vegas. I can't wait to get Eben to Vegas. I can't wait to get Eben to Vegas. That's all I have to say. My first time, hopefully, for the Super Bowl. I, I am just. I'm also just fascinated by Vegas as a as the the the, the sports expansion um, of Vegas. Before the Knights were there, there were no pro teams there, and suddenly we're going to have four, maybe five, in a decade move there. And and they're the ones at least so far are doing tremendously well from a commercial standpoint. Just the fact that there was, and I know Vegas is a singular city in this regard, but that there was this much support not just for ticket buyers but also from corporations to suddenly out of whole cloth add add four or five major sports teams yeah. to the mix there um, I think is, is is a crazy and under discussed story. what will be interesting and we haven't we haven't seen it yet I mean COVID tested a little bit uh, I suppose but but a a recession what happens in Vegas? The two pushbacks always with Vegas. It's such a boom and bust uh, city. And so that's a little bit of concern. So in theory, sports teams should be insulated a little bit because they do a lot of long-term contracts. And then the other pushback was, was the it's such a small market that you can't generate enough TV revenue. Now that local TV revenue isn't the end all and be ball anymore uh, in, in, in sports. So you got to generate money from your building and, and, and sponsorships um is, is what's driving it so but it's incredible it, it's it's unbelievable to think about uh pre pre nights to, to where we are now kurt obviously everything we've talked about here was pretty much bullish and all your conversations did you get any bears uh the, the low no i wouldn't say bear Me. Any, yeah 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 uh any okay anything the, that resembled the, bearishness the, the price <laughs> uh, the price okay. people people look at the price and we we think about you know we're talking about the this last uh, you know, huge transfer of teams uh, 12, 13 years ago. Nine teams sold in three years, three times revenue. And we always goof on MLS because of the revenue multiples that those teams are selling for. Well, when we, when we compare the leagues, it's been MLS at the top in terms of revenue multiples for when Sportico's 2020. 
uh, first time, we, you know, so once that we first did our full series of MLS, uh, excuse me, uh, franchise valuations, MLS is at the top in terms of revenue multiple. Well, we have a new number one, uh, NBA on average 11 times revenue. So uh, ahead of MLS, which is 10.3 revenue, uh, 10.3 times revenue. So I, the price point is a little worrisome. And, you know, those teams at the top uh, are becoming unaffordable. Um, the NBA structure makes it a little easier because you don't, you know, you know, you can do 15 percent lead owner. But th- that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of LPs you got to bring in at, at very big check sizes. That that multiple stat you just gave Kurt I think is a much better way of articulating the thing that I was trying to say earlier about how it just seems like (laughs) revenue is just less important now to the way that we value these businesses and and that I do think is is kind of scary right that like well it's like internet startup I've been they you know these things losing money making no money yeah it's got a billion dollar valuation yeah but the the, the, those companies got start that way right and then in some ways transition out of that and in and and the NBA at least in the past decade all sports teams really are kind of in some ways going the opposite where they used to be valued on their financials and now are suddenly valued on a lot of other kind of more ephemeral ideas and not the underlying financials that is the the point that people always ask why do you look at revenue multiples why why don't you look at every other business why don't you look at cash flow that's how everybody values businesses well well the bankers started looking at revenue multiples originally because most of these teams didn't make any cash so uh, same same with the internet (laughs) startups and now i mean you don't want to look at cash flow multiples of these things uh you know four billion dollar average uh valuation where the you know the the pelicans i mean (laughs) you know this is a hundred times cash flow in some cases uh so it's uh it's crazy town so that that's you know the the pushback we get is just the 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 prices have gotten ahead of themselves and so um, you know, if the national TV isn't this massive bump, um, again, that, that's kind of what people have been betting on. Um, but if it's your run of the mill 80 percent bump, well, th- then these teams still look pretty, pretty expensive. Right. All right. Well, Kurt, I mean, uh, always love having you on. This is like what Evan and I can do like smart for a couple of minutes, <laughs> but we bring you in and it's like, I don't even know how long we're 33 minutes of smart right now. So thank we Thank you for that. And speaking of smart and, you know, in print, sometimes you have to make corrections on stories. It happens. And so we had somebody uh, email over and they were like, well, I, you know, I listened to your show and I love it because, you know, the detail and the accuracy and you but you had a little something wrong. Like, I hope you don't mind me reaching out. And, you know, I said, absolutely not. Like, Evan and I, warts and all, we love if, you know, it's impossible to be right all the time when you're talking like this. So I'm very happy to tell everybody that, you know, Evan, Evan screwed something up. <laughs> I, gonna, I, um, I have no idea where you're going with this. Was it me or you? I, I, I know. I didn't discuss this with you yet. <laughs> it was me. But John, John Shaker reached out, if you know John, former uh, GM yeah. Yeah, in, the, in the NHL. And I was so – and this is what hurts me the most. Uh, Evan, look at my face. This is what hurts me the most. I was so proud of you when you were bringing in Ilya Kovalchuk to a discussion of Shohei Otani and the amortization of the deal, pushing way out and whatever. And he said, he said, I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't go look this up, but if I'm betting Chaka versus Novi Williams on this, I'm yeah, going with Chaka. It's okay with yeah. you. He said there was, the money was not deferred on Kovalchuk at all. It was not money. It was simply years. And that was still viewed as, as, as circumvention. 
Oh, is that right? I, um, I'm, I'm just telling you what, what John said, and I'm guessing he's right. So to prove to the world, as I said to John, if I screw something up, and I do all the time, we just want to get it right. So, I mean, I, again, I was impressed that you – I'm still impressed that <laughs> e, even if it was just years – that you knew in some way, shape, and tangential way that Ilya Kovalchuk should be used in a conversation with Shohei Otani. To me, sir, you did a good job. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So if, if I was wrong about that, I apologize. So you, everybody can go Google it themselves, but <laughs> yeah. I, I think you know it was really just they pushed it out to some ungodly length. Of time, yeah, he was going to be in his like late forties or something by the yeah. end of the seventeen year. And no athletes playing to their late forties. <laughs> Just in. All right. Now close the show. All righty. Very special thanks to Kurt Bodenhausen. You can follow him on Twitter at kbodenhausen. He is Scott Soschnick. You can follow him at Scott, uh, on Twitter at Soschnick. I would have forgotten your Follow your me, Eben Novi no, Williams, never. on Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. The show is produced by Aaron Greenwald. At Eben, give it up. At Eben, give it up. Let Novi Williams have at Eben. Amen, Scott. Amen. The show is produced by Aaron Greenwald. Thank you very much to Aaron. Sportico's digital media editor, Cora Veltman, would like you to know that you can follow the show at Sportacast, which is the hub of the hub. Sportico Media Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.